I greet you, my dear friend, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I believe the Lord is taking good care of you. I do pray for you, and I'm praying that, I'm hoping that you also pray for me. Listen, I have news for you. Jesus is coming again. Prepare to meet him, because very soon he will come. I dedicate myself to you, Father, as I open the holy writ. Anoint my lips, touch me, grant that the meditations of my heart. And whatever I say will be under the unction of your Holy Spirit. May your children not hear the sinful voice of evil. May they hear the sweet and the wonderful voice of Jesus Christ our Lord. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you lost something very precious before? How did you feel? There was a feeling of frustration and anger. You were confused and restless. You almost accused everybody around you. But how did you feel when you found it? You, found, you, you, you felt relieved and happy with a big smile on your face. That is what happened when Adam and Eve lost everything God had given them. That is how God felt when he lost everything that he had given to us. Adam and Eve left very important things God had given them. They became very miserable. In fact, one writer says they mourned when they saw the leaves falling, when they saw animals killing another animal. There was sadness because they had lost something. But the question is, what had they lost? What is it that they desired so much? They had, they enjoyed it so much, and now it was gone for good. What made the Garden of Eden so special? That it was something not worth playing with. It was a special village the Lord himself built for the newly wedded couple. Can you imagine God building you a home? A home you didn't buy? God himself. The streets were made of flowers. The streets were lined up with beautiful flowers. The place was very special with flowers and special animals trees and all kinds of fruits. But what made the couple feel at home? What made it a home? I'm going to share with you something that made the Garden of Eden very special. Four things. The first one was there was a tree of life. In Genesis chapter 2, I'm reading from verse 8. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed and uh, let me jump uh, to verse 9. And out of the ground made the Lord grow, the Lord God, to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Uh, let me read from the clear word. I like the way he puts it. Listen to this. He says, God arranged a special garden for man to live in. This garden was located in an area called Eden, the place where the first man made his home. In this garden, God not only placed the trees for food, but also ornamental trees, most beautiful to look at. It was just beautiful to look at, wonderful trees. So the Garden of Eden was a very special place where the tree of life was planted. It was a paradise, a place of peace, a place of happiness and joy. And what made it worse? 
I mean, even more comfortable. Uh, angels came once a while to sing. The book of Job tells me in Job chapter 8, 38, verses 6 and 7. Job chapter 38, verses 6 and 7. Listen to something very interesting here that God did on the day of creation. I'm reading from verse 4. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who had laid the measures thereof? If thou knowest, or who had stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Hallelujah. On the day when God finished creation, the angels came, and the first Sabbath was a celebration. I know you know that the book of Job was the first book of the Bible to be written by Moses. And so it is talking about how the angels came, how the foundations of the earth were laid, and God is describing it. And then he said, at the end of it all, angels came. So there were angelic visitation. Imagine, angels were visiting the garden. The place was very special. Secondly, there was the water of life. There were, there were trees, there was food for them, and then there was water. In Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2 verse 10. And a river went out of Eden. So Eden became the, the, the source of water for all waters that people were going to drink. To water the garden, and from thence it was parted and, and became into four heads. So the water was distributing. So they were drinking from the source. No pollution. What a place else you want to live. No pollution. There was no pollution at all. Everything was perfect. God himself planted a place and made it a good place for them. Number three, there was the presence of God. A constant visitation of God. Adam and Eve had an open conversation with God. If you don't believe it, let me read it to you from the Bible in Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground of the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And what sort of Adam called it, every living creature, that was the name thereof. Verse 21, I jump. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead, of, instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman. And listen to the last statement. And brought her unto Adam. The first wedding was conducted by God. God said, this is your wife face to face. It's not, it wasn't something like God speaking from heaven to Adam. It was a face to face intimacy. God brought his wife to him. A beautiful wedding. The first wedding. Now I know why many women delay when there is a wedding. I didn't used to understand it. The reason was that Adam slept, and God did a surgery. It was the first anesthesia that God gave to Adam, even before scientists got to know anything about that. And then he made a woman. That's why at every wedding, women are late. 
It took God time to make a woman, very special woman, a gift from God to Adam. So now Adam has a home, he has the tree of life, he has water, and he has a wife. What a home to live. Number four, there was a divine light. There were no generators, no candles. There was divine light in the garden in Genesis chapter 2. And this divine light was so bright that they couldn't even see that they were naked. Genesis chapter 2 verse 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Why? You may ask why. Let me take you to Psalm 104. And that has the answer. The whole place was littered with the light of God, the brightness of God. A wonderful place. In the night, when the moon is shining, there was darkness, of course. But they didn't need it because the light of God was with them. Let me read from verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Who coverest thyself with light as with a garment? Who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain? So God's light is, God's garment is a light. And he, gave, he imparted it to them. So they were wearing the imparted light of God. So they were not naked. Oh, what a place to live. What a place to live. God gave them light. Divine light. With these four things, the place was safe, pure, and holy. That is exactly where... The devil came to visit the couple. I mean, the couple. One day, the couple, I mean, were visited by the enemy. The enemies visit. The enemy visits only when all seem to be peaceful and calm and nice. Anytime there is peace in your home, watch out because the enemy is just about to come. Then the fall came. I don't have to tell you the story. Adam and Eve fell, and what happened to them? Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. They lost everything God gave them. Genesis chapter 3, we begin from verse 23. Genesis 3, 23. Genesis chapter 3, verse 23. What did they lose? They lost everything God had given them. Genesis 3, verse 23. And the Bible says, Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So God drove them out. God, he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned everywhere to keep the way of the tree of life. So don't come here again, you're gone. Can you imagine being evicted from a home you have lived for years? I don't know how long they lived in the garden before Satan visited. But they were driven from the garden. What a sad, sad day. I can imagine an Adam and Eve sitting down and mourning and crying because they had been driven from a place of peace. Number two, something has happened. Look at verse 7 of Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 verse 7. Something very miserable happened. And the eyes of them both were opened. Wow. Before they were not blind, but something had left. There was a light off. When there is a light off, even though you are not blind, you cannot see. And they knew that they were naked. Why? Because the light of God had disappeared. 
They had lost the divine light of God. God was gone. They were naked. All the while, they were covered with the light of God. Suddenly, there was a feeling of shame and disgrace and embarrassment. You try it. Can you stand in public with your wife naked? You can't do that. But that is what happened to Adam and Eve. Number three, they lost the divine visitation. Verse 23 of Genesis chapter 3. Verse 23 of Genesis chapter 3. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from, out, sent him forth from the garden of Eden to tell the ground, go, go, go. Because usually God came to the garden at the cool of the day to come and visit with them and talk with them. But when it happened and they fell, God never came again. He came and gave them some clothing to wear, but the intimacy was broken. God never used to visit them again as usual. You see how terrible sin is. You see how terrible disobedience is. I am cautioning you, don't let anybody tell you that the commandments of God have been annulled. It is dangerous. That is Satan's way to separate you from God like he did Adam and Eve. Number four, they, they now had to drink, not from the source, but from the other tributaries of the, of the main river. They were drinking, not from the source, again. They had lost everything by one single disobedience. Not two or three, only one disobedience. Adam and Eve lost all the four gifts God had made, given them to make them happy. There was no more peace. One mistake can spell your doom. I remember I went to a country and a woman came to me crying in tears. Said, Pastor, pray for me. I have made a mistake and I cannot repair it. My husband has traveled for, to another country. For 10 years, he was not coming back. He was taking care of me and my children. But one day, his friend came and started helping out. Until one day, I went to bed with this man, not knowing he had HIV. Pastor, now I am now positive, HIV positive. I'm going to die. I'm going to die to leave my children. Only once, she cried, Pastor, it was only once, one time. It doesn't take two sins. It doesn't take two sins. It takes only one sin to be destroyed. And that is why Jesus has come to destroy all. If you accept Jesus, all that I'm saying has been restored to you. The loss of the four marked the beginning of human suffering. Human sorrow and death. Look at what is happening in Libya. Look at what is happening in Yemen and in Egypt. Look at what is happening in Iraq. In between Genesis and Revelation, we see suffering and pain and death and misery and oh, woe. We are all suffering from the one disobedience. No wonder the Bible says, by one man's sin, death came into the world. And all of us are suffering. Romans chapter 8, verses 22 to 23. Look at what Satan has done to you with smoking and drinking. Look at, look at yourself. You were not born like that. You were dedicated to God. On the day you were born, mommy and daddy took you to church. But now look at you. Look at yourself. Look at how the devil has destroyed your marriage by another woman. You are now a single woman. That is what the devil can do. Look at how he has damaged your image with habitual immorality. And the woman has a new, you have a new name. 
They don't call you a real name. They call you, pardon me for the language, a prostitute, a homosexual. Look at what Satan has done to you. The consequences is HIV AIDS, killing hundreds of people every day. Your name is everywhere. Nobody has a respect for you. You have a stigma. Look at what Satan has done to you. You are now a wanted criminal. Everybody is looking for you. Your pictures are all over the country. They are looking for you. Look at the political chaos in the world. Look at what is going on. Look at what hatred and envy have done to your family. There is no peace in your home because Satan has stolen what God has given to us. Look at the consequence of the hatred in the world. Look at the destruction demons and idol worship has done to your own family. Look at it. You go back to your history, how your parents were worshiping idols, and now you are paying for it. Look at the fighting in your own family. You cannot sit down with your wife for five, five minutes without a fight. Because the peace God gave us has been stolen, has been taken away by the enemy. Look at what Satan has done to you and to your one-time friend. You had a good friend. What is he now? You are now bitter enemies and you wish him dead. You know who is behind it. Satan has stolen all the good things God gave to us. Peace. He has taken it from us. Longevity. Immortality. All those wonderful things. Satan has stolen them from us. Look at the deception going on in the world today. He is now turning to an angel, deceiving people, even using the Bible. Look at the diseases he has left with you because of your bad lifestyle. Satan has caused us shame, disgrace, diseases, suffering, and death. Can I ask you a question? Are you not tired of this life? Are you not tired of all that is going on in your family? Aren't you tired? I am tired. That is why I want somebody who can restore all this in my life. I need help. You need help. You need help. It's not voodoo you need. It's not a priest you need. It's not a cardinal you need. It's not a pastor you need. You need help. A divine help. The only one who can restore all that has been stolen from us. How could man restore these four items? How could the situation be changed? The owner, the creator had to come down. I like the way the Bible puts it in Galatians chapter 4. The creator himself had to come down. He said, I'm going to change the situation. Uh, I want to say amen to myself. You can say amen with me. I'm going to change the situation. I'm going to make people happy again. I'm going to restore everything they have lost. I like the way this version puts it. Let me read it to you. Galatians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. 4 and 5. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent his son, made of a woman made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. Hallelujah. Jesus came himself, born of a woman, to come and save us from that situation. The Bible tells me here, when heaven's clock struck, the time for God's son to be born, he came, born of a woman. Mother to live under the law. Now we are no longer in bondage, in sin, but are free sons and daughters of God, hers together with Christ. 
That was verse 7. Our, we are free. Free in the name of Jesus. Jesus has made us free. And when he came into this world, listen to what Satan said in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Satan tempted Jesus. He took him to a high pinnacle. And he said, and the devil said unto him, I'm reading verse 6. All this power I will give you and the glory thereof. For that is delivered unto me. And I give it to anybody I like. How could he say that? When my Bible tells me in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, and then verse 14, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not made anything that was made. Jesus is the creator, verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw him as the only begotten Son of God. How could Satan make a claim in the presence of God? Jesus didn't challenge him because it's true. Adam sold out to Satan and all the joy, the peace, the longevity, the immortality, Satan took them from us. The peace. My Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. 2 Corinthians, oh, I praise the Lord. You know why I love Jesus? He has saved me from shame. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes, he became poor. That you through his poverty may be rich. He became poor so I can be rich. He became disgraced so I can be honored. He came down so I can go up. He became the son of man so I can be called a child of God. I have been adopted back into the family of God. I will see his face one day. The peace I lost. The peace I lost. The peace Satan made us lose. He has restored it. You remember when he was on this earth. Listen to the statements he made. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Praise the Lord. I am the water of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus has restored everything. He is the restorer. You can ask anything in my, in my name, and my Father will do it for you. You remember that? Hebrews chapter 4, verses, verses 15 to 16. It says, come boldly before the throne of grace. Come boldly, don't be afraid. Jesus has opened the door. We can come back to God. We can come back to God. All that were lost in the garden are found in Jesus. With Christ in the heart, there is paradise in the soul. Friendship with heaven. And there is hope of eternal life. There is peace. And there is divine presence. All restored. John 14, 23. John 14, 27. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11, 13, and 19. But there is one greater thing. One greater thing. You read Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 to 5. Everything that was lost has been restored. It's going to be restored in heaven. When we go to heaven, everything that was lost will be restored. We will see them there. I read to you. Revelation chapter 22. I'm reading from verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life. The river is restored. Clear as crystal. Verse 2. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river was there, the tree of life, it has been restored. Hallelujah. Verse 3. And there was no more curse but the throne of God, and the lamb be in it, and the servant shall serve him. Verse 4. And they shall see his face, like Adam saw his face. Hallelujah. And his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no more night there. And there will be no need of a candle. 
neither light of the sun, for the Lord giveth them light, and they shall reign forever. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful thing to have. Jesus has restored everything for us. He's the rose of Sharon. Jesus is the water of life. He is the superintendent over death. He is the conqueror over Satan. Jesus has power to make you complete. Husband or no husband. Child or no child. Whatever your situation, Jesus has made it all. Open your door to Jesus and let him come in. J-E-S-U-S. He will justify you. He will edify you. He will sanctify you. He will unify you to the heavenly family. And finally, he will save you from the presence of sin. I have made Jesus my savior. Jesus is the end of all my nakedness and shame. The end of my separation from God. He's the end of my hunger and thirst. He's the end of my poverty. If you have Jesus in your heart, you are finished. You are finished. You are finished. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, make us that little girl who was lost. Said, I don't know my home. I don't know where to go. But if you can take me to the cross, I will find my home back. I'll find back my home. I will find my way back to my home. The policeman took her to the, a big one about the big cross. And he thanked the policeman and said, now you can go. The cross is the way back. Jesus is the way back to God. The way back to peace. The way back to immortality. The way back into the family of God. Thank you, Father, for this restoration. Thank you, Jesus, for sacrificing to save us from shame and disgrace. Thank you. In your wonderful name I pray it. Amen. Amen. Yes, beware of these things and people from the scriptures. If you truly want to remain a child of God, God bless you as you try to live with him and walk with him in a very pleasant way. We have DVDs and we also have audio CDs. They are all there for you to ask for. They cover the topics, this topic and any other topic that you can think about that we have presented. We would love for you to also think about making your widow's mind donation. No amount is too small and no amount is too big so you can support this program on the air. Next week, we're bringing you another message from God. God bless you. Thank you for watching today's episode of Encounter with Truth with God 7 Pastor Dr. Andrews Lawrence Ew, an international evangelist. For inquiries, prayer or counseling, call any of the following numbers on your screen. And remember, your generous financial support is always welcome. Please call us. May God richly bless you. Jesus is coming again.